Romans chapter number 8. And uh, if you found it and you're able to, let's stand together and we'll begin reading in verse number 35 uh, for our scripture that we'll be bringing the message from today. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse number 35. The Bible says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. And I love this next word, nay. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You say, Pastor, what else needs to be preached? If you just read those verses, we just know God loves us. And we're thankful for that. But I want to preach this morning, really just give some encouragement on this subject matter, on thankful for a father's love. Thankful for a father's love. Let's have a word of prayer and then you can be seated. Our Father, we sure thank you for your love that you've bestowed upon us. And that you sent the Lord Jesus Christ to be able to pay our eternal sin debt. And Lord, I'm thankful that there's a day that's been set aside, Lord, to be able to recognize and appreciate and applaud, Lord, the fathers that you've placed in our lives. Lord, we're so thankful for it. But Lord, most of all today, may we understand and be thankful for our Heavenly Father's love. He's made such a difference in our hearts and lives. We thank you for it. Have your will and way now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. In 1908, was anybody alive back then that's sitting here today? In 1908, there was a woman in Spokane, Washington. Where's the Kesslers? Spokane, Washington. That was raised, I've been there, I actually went to prison to preach. In Spokane, I, we got some visitors here this morning. I figured I'd clarify that to preach in a prison in Spokane, Washington. There was a woman that was raised by a widower, and she was one of six children. Her name was Sonora Smart Dodd, and she wanted a day to be able to celebrate fathers. Of course, six children being raised by a single father. She went to churches. She went to the YMCA, she went to businesses, she went to government officials to be able to talk about a day to celebrate fathers. And on June the 19th of 1910, Washington State was the first state to celebrate statewide a Father's Day celebration. But it wasn't until 1972 that Richard Nixon actually signed the proclamation making the third Sunday of June as a day that's set aside to be able to celebrate fathers. Now, I, for one, I thank the Lord for a godly, earthly father who directed me and taught me in the ways of the Scriptures. 
when I first started wearing a suit jacket, and some may ask, why do you still wear a suit jacket? When I first put a suit jacket on, my dad asked me, he said, why do you want to wear a suit jacket? And I said, because you wear a suit jacket, and I want to be like my dad. Last night, we were talking about the floats that we're going to have downstairs. We have root beer floats for everybody um, after church today in celebration of Father's Day. And we have two cases of moxie down there that we're going to have. And just in case I don't get down there immediately, my wife's down there and she can set a can of moxie aside for me to have a moxie float as a time of celebration. And we're having a prayer time last night and Nate Page was here and he mentioned, he said, you know, he said, I only started liking moxie. He said, because my dad liked moxie. And I wanted to be like my dad, so I started liking Moxie. He said, then I talked to my dad, and the only reason he liked Moxie was because his dad liked Moxie, and he wanted to be I said, well, you have a great heritage, I said, that's been given to you and handed down through the generations. I said, I had to start the heritage because my dad despised it, but my grandfather liked it. And I think there's a correlation. This is not in the message, not even in my notes today. I believe there's a correlation between probably liking Moxie and black licorice. Because I like both of them. You like both of them. There's something that's there. My grandfather liked both of them. I'm thankful for a godly heritage. I'm thankful for a father that it wasn't a question about are we going to church or not. It wasn't a question of, are we reading the Bible? He directed our family in the things of the Lord, and he desired for us to live for God. One of the greatest things that, uh, and I'll constantly remember. Now, was he perfect? Of course not. But he was godly and desired for us to be. When I was 20 years old, I was back in between my junior and senior year of Bible college and 10 days before I was to go back to start my senior year, um, I was at work on a Wednesday morning and pulled into a convenience store. About five minutes later, my brother pulled up beside us and said, mom's been taken to the hospital with a heart attack and you need to come with us now. We need to get to the hospital. And we drove down to Portland, Maine. I was in Harpswell at that time and we drove down to Portland, Maine. We walked in, my dad met us down there at the, at the door coming in, and he said, your, your mom's gone. She passed away and told us that standing in that, that lobby right there. We had our time together, went in and said our goodbyes to mom, had the funeral a few days later. She died on a Wednesday. We had the funeral on a Saturday, and I was supposed to leave the next Saturday, seven days later, get in a car, leave home, and drive back out to Ohio and go to Bible college And I sat down with my dad a few days before I was going. He taught me this lesson. I said, Dad, I said, I feel like the the worst son in the world right now. I said that I'm leaving home. And I said, you're still dealing with all of this. And and I said, "I, I feel like the worst son. I said, just packing up and leaving. And he said, Peter, he said, is this what God's told you to do? Is this the will of God for your life? And I said, Dad, it is. I said, beyond a shadow of a doubt. He said, then Peter, he said, I believe you'd be the worst son in the world if you didn't go do what God told you to do. And he said, just mark it down. He said, I'll be okay. Now, it was a rough semester. There was a lot that was going on. But I'm thankful for a godly father. But may I say this, that nothing, however, can compare 
to the perfection and the love of our Heavenly Father. Now, there may be some that seated here today, and, and uh, maybe today is just another Sunday for you because you don't have that example and role model in your life to be able to thank God for or to pattern your life after. But may I remind us that there still is a Heavenly Father that is more than willing to be that example and that role model. I was reminded early this morning of Psalm 2710, where the Bible says, when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. And boy, I'm thankful for that. We have the example of a great heavenly father. I made mention before service today, I won't tell you what it was in relation to, but I was talking with someone And I said, can you tell me, and I mentioned this specific miracle that took place this past week, and I I looked down at this individual, I said, can you tell me how big your God is? Because of the miracle that was just performed 168 hours ago. And I said, now think about this, little old you sitting down here, I said, and there's a God in heaven, your heavenly Father that created everything, that spoke everything into existence, said, I believe I'll just do this for them to let them know. I hear prayer, I answer prayer, and I'm thinking about you. Imagine the God in heaven our Heavenly Father, being willing and able to be able to do that. I've been reminded this week of the song that's been sung here before entitled, How Deep a Father's Love. And the first few lines of that song go like this, How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure, that he should give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss. The father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring many sons to glory. How deep a father's love. I'm thankful today for a father's love. And as we read here in Romans chapter number eight, the question is asked, who shall separate us? from the love of Christ in verse number 35. But then at the close of these verses in verse number 39, after he's listed all these things, he says in verse 39, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God. And I read verses like this, and I see the hurt and the heartache that's upon people's lives, and I want to be able to tell them and encourage them on the subject matter that there is a God in heaven that knows exactly where they're at, that knows exactly what they're going through. And listen, there is a heavenly Father that loves and cares for you. You say, well, I don't know about that. I don't believe that. I don't understand that. Now, listen, just because you don't know someone loves you does not mean it's not true. And there is a heavenly father. And so I thought about a few things out of this passage of scripture that first of all, I see the supply of a father's love. The supply of a father's love, as I look down through here, can I remind us that there is nothing that is ever stated in the scriptures 
that merits the love of God to mankind. There's nothing, there's no place going through the scriptures that says, well, because you are this good, I'm going to love you. Because you've accomplished this, then I'm going to love you. Listen, the love that the heavenly father has for each and every one of us, it is not supplied out of the merits that we can build up. It's not a matter of God looking at me or looking at you saying that he loves you, Brian. Well, you got your name drawn this morning, so God must love you more than he loves anybody else that's in here. No. In all reality, we would say that literally is the luck of the draw. As it comes to the, the, the possibilities that is there, it's not. I, we give testimonies about what God's doing at our church, and one of our friends from around the church here, you know him, Brother Randy King, he'll call me every once in a while, and he'll say, Brother, how's things going? Just wants to hear about what God's doing at the church, and we'll get done, and he'll say, now, Peter, are you saying that God loves you more than everybody else? I said, I'm not saying that God loves me more than anybody else. I said, but I sure am thankful for the love that God bestows upon us. And I said, his revealing of that love, the supply of it, listen, for an earthly father, love is simply based on position. You think about that. Now we have a bunch, there's probably 30, 35 kids that are downstairs in junior church, maybe 25 today, somewhere out of town down in junior church. Can I say this? There's only two here in this church that I love like my only child because they're my two kids. Now, I love your kids and I'm thankful for them. And listen, I will do absolutely everything I can to make sure that they're protected and that they're provided for and that they're loved and they're nourished and, and have everything that they need. But can I say the original love for children is based on me and the position of my two. And may I remind us of this, that when it comes to the supply of God's love, listen, it's simply based on this, your position as a child of God. You say, but I don't have anything to offer. Let me ask you something. I mean, here's Panfilo back here. Got that little baby girl sitting there. She already, uh, Amy took her, took her out. That little baby girl, Lydia, is there anything that Lydia has been able to do for you yet, Panfilo? No, not a thing. I mean, the baby doesn't come out and we say, okay, now what can you do for me? No, that's not, that's not how that relationship is based. And every mom is saying, well, of course not. But there's just something. It's amazing. Before you even lay eyes on the baby, I mean, your hearts are already knit together and they haven't done one thing for you. And it'll be years before they do anything. But there's still an unbreakable love, isn't there? There's still a love that is there. And you say, what's that based upon? What's that merit that they've built up? Listen, Wade hasn't done a thing for his daddy except for wake him up every night. It's, isn't it wonderful? Dads just have that ability to sleep right through it, don't we? We wake up in the morning and say, boy, I am so refreshed this morning. Boy, they must have slept great last night. And Shannon says he was up four times. And we look and say, what's that love based upon? Listen, it's only based upon position. It's only based that, listen, we are the child of God. And with all our faults and our failures, the God of heaven still looks down upon us and says, I just want to let you know that I love you. 
You know something, all them times, listen, a baby may be throwing up all over himself or maybe doing something else all over himself or, or all over you and all over everybody else and everybody knows it all around. I mean, five rows aside in church, mama's taking him out, got to go get changed. Everybody knows why. But go ahead and try to talk that mama out of loving that baby. Go ahead and try to talk that daddy. Now, listen, we're living in a day and age, and I don't understand it. I don't understand how the natural affection, but the Bible says that it was coming. The natural affection of a father to their child or of a mother to their child is lacking today. I don't understand that. You say, well, pastor, I never had that growing up and and I never had that opportunity, never had that privilege. Can I remind you of the verse that I read earlier in Psalm 27, 10, when my father and my mother forsake me, then will the Lord take me up? And can I say, I had a father that passed away. I I think it was about five years. I think it was 18, 18 or 19. My father passed away. My mother passed away when I was 20. And I walked up and I looked at a lady and she said, it's, you're, you're too young. She said, she said, you still need your mom. You still need your dad. And I thought, you know, in, in my human mind, I said, I, I know that I do. You know how many times I've desired, listen, we have a great day here at the church. Be able to pick up the phone and say, dad, I just wanted to tell you. I haven't been able to, but I could say this. There's been times that I've sat or I've gone for a walk by myself and I've been able to talk to my heavenly father and say, God, you already know what's going on, but I just need to tell someone about how good of a day we had today and be able to tell my heavenly father, listen, the supply of his love, listen, it's not stated and and based upon our merit But then I want us to look at this passage of Scripture, and we could look at every one of these things individually, but I want us to look at the security of a father's love. Security of a father's love. One of the things that, and I I almost get myself in trouble if I I hear a father talking to their children like this, well, you better watch or I'm not going to love you anymore. I don't like statements like that. You see, that's not the... That's not the experience and that's not the security that we've been given the example of as we look into the scriptures. And the question is asked here, and I believe it's, it's one of the questions that people ask in religions around this world. What would it finally take to separate me from the love of God? What sin is it? Can I, can I do something bad enough that God is willing to throw me away? Listen. Jesus said, all that cometh to the Father, he will in no wise cast out. You say, well, I'm sure I can do something. Here's what the Bible says. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And list all these things. Listen to everything that's mentioned here. Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. Jump down to verse number 38. Death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height, depth, or any other creature. Anything of those minimum 13 things that are mentioned there, maybe 18, I lost count how many times I went through my fingers. Of every one of those things, he starts the question, who can separate, comes to the conclusion at the end of it, nothing can separate us from the love. 
You talk about security. Now listen, it would do good for some fathers to portray and communicate that security to their wife and to their children that no matter what, I'm going to love you and I'm standing by and I'm not going anywhere. You see, that's the example that we're given by God in heaven. Now, there's not a person here, even after becoming a child of God, there's not a person here that's never messed up. There's not a person here who's never sinned against Almighty God. But can I remind us of this? God still looks down upon us and says, just want to let you know, I still love you. Now, think about that. And I won't get into individual sins that are, that are present here today. Listen, in my life or your life, But you and I both know that if we did to someone else, some of the sins that we've committed against Almighty God, we'd be done with them if someone did that to us. Well, they treated me like that, I'm done with them. Boy, aren't you glad that God never comes to that point with his children? How many have ever come to the point, and and I know we talk about this, and, and it's not a Mother's Day message, but fathers end up going through this at some points too, of just getting to the point of, of frustration saying, I can't take it anymore. These kids are going to drive me crazy. And the mom says, yeah, multiply that. I, I, you got them for three hours. I've had them for 12. Listen, there were the times that I walked in from a long day and every young mother is going to be smiling right now that I walked in the door and Crystal said, they're yours. (laughs) And I'm going to get my nails done. I'm going to get my feet rubbed. I'm going to get my hair done. It didn't matter. I'm going to sit in the car. I mean, it it just didn't matter. The only thing I ask, listen, please don't make sure sure it's not running, okay? I mean, going to sit in the car. What what she was saying is, hey, it's just been one of them days with a kid. I wonder, listen, when God looks at us, aren't you thankful that he doesn't say, I'm done for the day? You've reached your quota of disappointment to God by noontime. But with most of us, listen, we'd meet that quota by breakfast. We'd meet it by the time we roll out of bed in the morning, God saying, I'm done. (laughs) You got an attitude before you even get up in the morning. And I get an attitude. Hey, listen, God's not like that. Aren't you thankful that his mercies are new every morning? Aren't you thankful for the faithfulness of God, the security of a father's love? I believe one of the greatest fears that are in that is in religions today is that God will stop loving us. Can't happen. Do you understand that it would be against the very character of God to stop loving a sinner because of who he sent Jesus to die for? Listen, things as known or unknown, that's what I believe is is being listed here in verse 35 and then verses 38 and 39, things that we know, things that we don't know, there's nothing going to come into our life that can separate us from the love of God. But then I read this, this little last phrase here in verse number 39, and boy, this thrilled my soul. He said, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do you understand that that God's love is as secure as Jesus is eternal? That's how secure God's love is. 
You say, well, the, the love, and yes, let me say this, the love that I have for you, it's only around as long as I'm around. Hey, listen, if I go off the scene tomorrow, you'll be able to say he loved me. That'll be past tense. But the love of God is as secure as Jesus is eternal. You say, when's it going to run out? When's Jesus going to run out? You see, the love of God is revealed through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to see this because we can get into the weeds on a lot of these things, but I want to share this with us, the simplicity of God's love. The simplicity. He says at the end of the verse, in verse number 39, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do you understand the simplicity of of God's love that's bestowed upon us is that God knows we're sinners and God loves us anyway? Do you know there's nowhere in the Bible that says, why don't you clean yourself up and start doing a little bit better and maybe you can earn God's love? I started off by saying that the love of God is not based on any merit whatsoever that we can bring before God. You see, God's love is not like human love. God's love is not that, okay, they're nice to me, I'm nice to them, and that friendship grows into love. No. It would have been weird. We were up at the, uh, the, the wedding yesterday for Logan and Emily, a lot of the, the, the Brown families here, and there's someone missing, another blonde that's missing. She, I don't know why they're not in church today. I, I joked with, with Logan and Emily. I said, now you're going to be in church to be able to sing and play guitar for us tomorrow, right? And they just got that look on their face like, we won't be there in church tomorrow. It would have been weird if they said, yeah, the first time we ever walked up to each other, we looked at each other and said, I love you. Let's spend the rest of our lives together. No, it was, a, it was a friendship that started, and then listen, they learned to love each other. They chose to love each other, and then yesterday it culminated in a ring on each finger, and then they'll really learn to love each other for the next 50 years. Can I say when it's like God? Listen, God looked down upon us before we even had an opportunity to be able to earn his love. He looked down upon us while we were yet sinners. The Bible says Christ died for us, and that was the showing of the love of God for each and every one of us. The simplicity. He loves you as a sinner. Now listen to me. Listen real close. He loves you as a sinner, but loves you enough not to leave you where you're at right now. You say, what do you mean? Hey, listen, he looks down. Religion will say, get out there and clean yourself up and start doing these things right, and maybe you can earn the love of God. Can I teach you what the Bible says? The Bible says God loves you as you are seated today. But he loves you enough not to leave you that way. You see, because sin is destructive in our lives. And sin will tear us down, and, and sin is against the glory of God. But listen, Christ dwells in us and he teaches us. Listen, that's not right. I heard testimony even yesterday as I was sitting at a table with someone. He said, listen, he said, I didn't need someone to preach a message. He said, I was, I was an alcoholic before I got saved. And he said, afterwards, he said, I got saved on a, on a Monday. And I think it was on a Friday night. He walked in. He said, they put a beer down in front. Of him. He said, nobody had to say a word to me. He said, I went to grab that. He said, this voice said, Mm-mm, that ain't right. And he said, I put that down. And he said, I looked around saying, who in the world's talking to me? He said, I picked it back up again. He said, I took one sip. And he said, I was about sick to my stomach. He said, I put that down, walked out of there. He said, never touched it again. 
You say, what can change a drunkard's life? What can change and be able to put families back together? It's the simplicity of a father's love. Listen, his love is not based on your actions, but his love is based on his character. He loves us regardless. Wouldn't it be a blessing if the choice of love that we make is not based upon someone else's actions, but it's based upon, well, it's based upon my character. I choose to love them even if they're unlovable. You say, how do we know? Listen, his love is demonstrated by his life, his death, and his resurrection. Do you understand? I've had a lot of people tell me that they love me, but I've only ever had one that died for me. You say, who's that? It's just Jesus. You see, he didn't just die for me, but he was buried. And the Bible says three days later, he rose from the dead. And he's still alive today, seated at the right hand of the throne of God in heaven, just to be able to demonstrate his love for us. You see, I'm thankful for a father's love that he bestows upon us. You say, once again, pastor, I don't, I don't understand that. You may not be able to accept and be able to receive a human father's love today. But I can say this, you can receive a heavenly father's love. And boy, I'm thankful that heavenly father's love never runs out. It's secure. You say, well, does he know how bad and wicked? Listen, he knows how bad and wicked you are more than you know how bad and wicked you are. He knows how wicked I am more than how wicked I think and know that I am. God knows. And you know what he still says? I love you. Imagine that. The God of heaven as his children. Listen, understanding, I love you where you're at. I'm sacrificing for you. One of the simplest verses in the Bible that we teach them in junior church, teach them in Sunday school, is John 3.16. That says, For God so loved the world. You say, well, what's that based upon? If you're part of the world and you're breathing today, guess what? God loves you. For God so loved the world, listen, that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, or aren't you thankful you can be a whosoever? Aren't you thankful it doesn't say that if your IQ is above such and such? Isn't it wonderful if it's not, well, if your income level is above the national poverty, if your income level, listen, if you've got at least a five-bedroom house, then God loves you. Boy, there's a bunch of people to be out. But that's not what whosoever means. You see, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Why would God do that for you? Why would God do that for me? Because of a father's love. That's why. Now, the question is this. Listen, I can offer all the love that I have to people. I thought about it this week, and I'll just, I'll just be transparent all over again as I was thinking about our church and the families in our church and, and the, every person that is here. I started thinking, I said, I don't, I don't know if people can truly comprehend. I said, the love that, that God's put in our hearts. I said, for people that are seated right here today. And there's some that can sit back and they say, I don't, I, I don't think I can comprehend the love that God has for me. 
I, I've looked at some of those people and they've been sitting in a, in a prison cell somewhere and say, I just, I just don't understand how a God in heaven could love me. I said, you don't have to be sitting in a prison cell to try to understand that. And I said, I haven't been sitting in a prison cell, but I sit back and say, how in the world could a God in heaven love me? But I said, aren't you thankful? Be able to take them over to the scriptures and say, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Well, I'm thankful for a father's love that looked down from heaven, listen, and he reached down when I couldn't reach up. And he said, I know what you're going through. Here it is, Father's Day. Listen, it may not bring joy to everybody. There may be some groaning. There may be some, some, some moaning upon people's hearts about days like this. But listen, at least wish your heavenly father a happy Father's Day because of who he is. And boy, I'm so thankful for the Lord. I'm so thankful for his love. And I want to encourage us today, listen, you may be here today and you've never trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Or you may be in that condition, you say, I'm about to be separated from the love of God. According to Romans chapter 8, listen, the security of a father's love, it's not going anywhere. I was reminded of this, and I'll close with this thought. You remember when Jesus was being, he had just been betrayed and he was being falsely accused and going through his trial. And there was one of his apostles, Peter to be exact, that was standing outside there, and the Bible says that Jesus had prophesied that he was going to deny him three times. And Peter said, no, I'll, 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 go, to, I'll go to death with you. I'll, I'll die right beside you. And here Jesus is, been betrayed, he's being tried, getting ready to be crucified. Peter denied him three times. There's a little thought in the scriptures as you're reading through that account that it says Jesus came out and all it says is this, that he saw him and he looked at him. Jesus didn't say a word to Peter. He didn't condemn him. He didn't look at him and say, listen, I told you that was going to take place. Yeah, you're talking real big now, aren't you? Jesus didn't say a word to him. He looked at him. One preacher said this. He said, I, I know we're, we're, we're trying to read between the lines. He said, but could it have been? Because right after that, the Bible says, Peter went out and wept bitterly. He said, I wonder if in that look, it was Jesus looking at Peter saying, I still love you. And Peter turns around, runs out, and weeps bitterly. It was also said on this that they blindfolded the Lord Jesus. You remember that in the Gospels? Blindfolded the Lord Jesus, and then they would hit him upside the face and try to mock him and say, if you be God, tell us who did that. The guy said, you ever wondered why they blindfolded him? He said, I wonder if they just couldn't take the look in his eyes of I still love you. And this is the whole reason I'm being beat. This is the whole reason I'm being crucified is because of my love for you. Jesus said, no man taketh my life, but I lay it down willingly. And I wonder in our hearts and lives if we've accepted the love that the Father has for us that's been bestowed upon us by the Lord Jesus Christ 
Or maybe you're here today and maybe you just need a reminder. Listen, that there's a God in heaven. You're his child and he loves you. And I just want to tell you that today. God loves you. You're his child. He hasn't forgotten about you. He knows exactly where you're at. And if you're not his child, you've never accepted him as your personal Lord and Savior, listen, he, he, he loves you enough to welcome you into the family.